0: Welcome to the Lenten series podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are thrilled to be able to join you in this season of reflection and repentance as we make our way to the commemoration of the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are joined in this season by some of Pittsburgh's most well-known and influential pastors who will be leading us on one of the Psalms each week. You can find more messages like this to aid in your Lenten and faith experience on our website, ccgf.org, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also keep up with Christ Church on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Here is this week's Lenten message. Grace and peace to you. Pastor Craig,
1: it's so good to be with you and those of you who are part of this great house and the wonderful people who have produced such a great, great history of God's heart for the city and It's a joy to be here. When I heard that we were going to do this and that other guys were going to be involved, I just wanted to be before all the rest of them. So whatever else happens, nobody measures me by it anyway. We've already prayed. Esther had been married for 40 years, and uh, it, it had not been a great 40 years because she's married to a really mean guy. And uh, and one morning she awakened, and he was still. He wasn't saying anything, and uh, and when she t- moved, he didn't respond. And she touched him, and he was cold. He wasn't breathing. So she called the local funeral home, and who uh, happened to be a medical doctor as well, the mortician came, and he said, he said, I think he's gone, and so. He brought some guys in and they put him in a box and they were taking him down the stairs and there was a sharp corner that they had to negotiate and they didn't do it very well. And uh, they hit the corner and there was a groan from inside the box and uh, they said, let's look at it. And he was, he was alive. Two years later, the same thing happened. And the guys came, evaluated him, and as we were going down the stairway, Esther leaned over and said to them, please watch the corners. <laughs> this message has some corners. And, uh, and as we've been speaking of the narrative and the story, what I love about the Psalms, particularly the Psalms is that there are moments in my life when, like a friend of mine who was going through an incredible season in which he felt defeated and he felt like the answers that he needed from God he wasn't getting, and, and so he was facing a life and death decision, and he said to his pastor, he says, what do you do when you've been asking God for an answer and you can't get that answer? And um, he said, what I do is I read through the Psalms until I find my voice. The narrative of the Psalms, the narrative of the book really is about us. It's, this is not a unique story. A hundred years ago, the people who prayed that prayer are still praying that prayer. And we're joining with them in that. Maybe not praying in terms of repentance and forgiveness, but we are a part of an ongoing history of God's people. And so when you read the Psalms, you're reading the story of people who've been where you've been, sat where you sat, ate what you ate, and stole like you stole. Things like that. Every now and again, I'll say something, and if I think it went over your head, I'll demonstrate it by doing this. I would like for you to watch the screen for a particular
0: message. I love the Lord. He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. I love the Lord. he turned his ear to me I will call on him as long as I live I love the Lord he heard my voice he heard my cry for mercy Turn this ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. I will call on him as long as I live. I will call on him as long as.
1: Someone has said, sound is invasive, intrusive, and irresistible. Invasive, intrusive, and irresistible. I'm going to ask you to repeat some phrases periodically, and I'll say, let's all say that. And if only this side of the church says it, then we, we get to say it again. So, when I say, let's all say, sound is invasive, intrusive, and irresistible. Pastor Craig, have you ever gone to a strange neighborhood and, and they've given you an address, and uh, as you pull up, it's a little bit dark, and you're trying to see the address, and so you say to somebody, would you turn the radio down so I can see? Um, <laughs> It's because sound intrudes, sound invades, and sound is intrusive. There's a young lady who was telling us the story of her daughter who was about, I guess, six years of age, and she's on the plane, and uh, if there's any place in the world where sound becomes more invasive and more intrusive than any other place in the world, it's on an airplane. And as they got on the plane, they could hear this girl screaming, screaming, and she continued to scream. And as she screamed and continued to scream, they discovered that their seats were right in front of this girl. And this woman had taught her daughter how to be respected and, and to behave. And so she's looking at her mother and saying, you got to do something. You've got to do something. And she was thinking, Not now. And so finally, this young girl who had been trained by her mother not to be disrespectful to your parents, she just stood up in her seat and turned around and looked at this eight-year-old girl and said to her, stop talking to your mother like that. It's wrong. And the kids shut up immediately. I don't know if the plane applauded. But the point was, it took a firm word To stop an excruciatingly intrusive and irresistible sound. Your voice is unique. It has a voice print. You have a fingerprint. Your eyes have a thing, a print. You can be identified by your eye, it's unique. You can be identified by your fingerprint, it's unique. You can be identified by your voice, it's unique. Parents have found a way to deal with the sounds that come from their children, especially when they are really small. And in that time, uh, there's a sound that a child can make that says, I am legitimately awake. And then there's another sound that says, I am unusually wet. And they can have another sound that says, I am thoroughly unsatisfied. But when they've awakened and you fed them and you've made sure they're dry and you've made sure that everything is right and you put them down in that little prison that keeps them out of your way for a few moments, they will make noises. And there's some noises that make that you listen to them and I so your baby's crying. She says, yeah, I know. And then we'll continue and then you'll hear a different sound and you say what are you going to do about that oh she's okay but then there comes a sound from that crib that says this is not just a dry i need to be dry i need more food i'm in trouble my head is between the bars of this thing and you need to come and help me there's a sound somebody say sound There's a sound that you can raise to God that says, this is not just an ordinary moment. I really need your attention. Mm -hmm. Businessman was in trouble financially. He walked into a little church that's said, 24 hours prayer. And as he walks in, he's walking around very quietly saying, God, we've got to make this deal happen. We've got to make this deal happen. I've got to have $50,000 by the end of the day. And as he's praying, a young man comes running in and he's running up and down the aisle. And he says, God, I need $50. I need $50. And he's screaming. And so finally, the businessman reaches into his wallet. He gives him the $50 and he comes and kneels down when the guy runs out the door and he says, now, God. I need your undivided attention. How do you get God's divided, and undivided attention by lifting your voice? Look at the text, please. The last verse in the text, and thank you so much for reading it. This I know that. God is for me. This I know that God is for me. Would you say that please? This I know that say it again. This I know that God one more time. So when he says This I know that God is for me, in God whose word I praise. This I know that God is for me. What I'm trying to help myself to understand and to get people to join me in it is to realize that God is for you, but you need to find your voice. There's some people who can't pray the prayer that you need to pray. And we don't very often get surrogate prayers to tell God what we need Him to hear. We have to say it ourselves. We have to go to Him ourselves and say, God, I need this. I, I want to know, are you listening to me? I've been dealing with an issue since my, well, I've been dealing with it all my life, but it was only in the early, my early fifties that I began to discover that I was I was enjoying uh, a thing in my life called a divine dimension. The letters are ADD, and so you can put wherever you want to with it, But but for me, it was like, I enjoy this it's it, you can you can focus on a thousand different things anytime you want to but that's troublesome to somebody who's not in that dimension and because of that I found that there were proclivities that I had to forget things or to disremember things or to lose things or to find things or to have great insights in one moment and not remember what they were the next moment. The uniqueness of how God creates you is what you have to accept about what God has done for you. And What I began to try to do was to be what I thought others were in terms of their success until I came to a position in my life in which I chose that I am going to be comfortable in my own skin. I'm not going to try to be Elijah. I'm not going to try to be Billy Graham. I'm just going to be Joseph, and I'm going to get satisfied with how God created me and to say to people who didn't understand that, i am fearfully and i didn't ask you to say that but i'm glad you did because it helps me to know now that i'm in a place where people remember the word fearfully and wonderfully made my wife had no idea what my problems were but her need was to find her voice so that instead of saying okay honey okay honey It was, hey, I can't do all that. Which one of those 10 things do you want me to do? Because I could pass them out. And in passing them out, she was dealing with my issues when I needed to deal with them myself. What's your problem? What is your difficulty? And it was only when the paradigm of what it means to be a tension deficit disorder Uh, What that was for me, I began to realize, hey, this isn't bad as long as I know what it is. Some of the most bright people I know are ADD people. And we have a club where we celebrate that with one another. And we feel sorry for the rest of you. Find your voice. Find your voice. You have to decide that the relationship you have with God is the one that he intends for you to have and that here's what Isaiah the prophet says he says God says I'm waiting on high I long to have compassion for you I'm waiting for you to respond and he says I'm waiting to hear your cry and when I hear your cry I will answer that God is a wow, he's a, he's a wow God. It's like, hey, Joseph, get with this. And I say, God, I want to get with it. How did that turn out? Wow, that was great, God. Now what's next? He says, I'm waiting for you to say something. I'm waiting for you to declare something. You really want me? I need to know you want me. And until you do, you're going to be like that little kid in the crib. I'm just going to think, hey, are you whimpering? Listen to what he says in verse 1. Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long, for there are many who fight proudly against me. And in this sense, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, here's what I'm saying to you, church. Find your own voice of appeal to your Father find out how you talk to him find out what you say i have been around people sometimes who are so religious you don't really know where the real person is it's like are you there or are you over here but i love to hear people say it's not going well i love to hear people say this is who I am, when you're finding people who are struggling with who they are and what it is that God's called them to be, you're simply saying to somebody, man, I really would like to meet somebody normal. We had a service once in our our church. Actually, we've had more than one service in our church. But In this particular service, there was a young man there who was just modernly dressed. He had rounded glasses. His hair was in a ponytail. His pants were stuck in his boots. And uh, I was looking at him during the worship service, and uh, he seemed to be enjoying himself. We made an altar call, and he came forward and received the Lord. And we were greeting him in the hospitality room. And I was standing there, and I had my clerical collar on, part of the Anglican tradition that I allowed to invade my life from time to time. So I knew, he knew I was. And I said, how did you enjoy the service, sir? What did you think? And these were his well, I won't say his exact words. I'm going to replicate as close as I can. He said, with tears streaming down his face, he said, for the first time in my life, I've been in a no BS worship service. He didn't say BS. And I stood there for a moment and I said, okay yeah I said God what was he trying to say he said that's his word for genuine and I said okay I said May I, am I allowed to do that word he says no I'll kill you All right, just, I said okay I don't want his voice to be my voice don't substitute what God has made you to be by looking at someone else and thinking I can be that too you can't be everything. You can't be everybody, but you have to be your single person. And you have to find your own way of crying out to God and saying, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. And you can't pray it like some orator, because when you get in real trouble, you don't have time to say, I come before you, knee bent and body bowed like an empty pitcher before a full fountain, thanking you that when I woke up this morning, my bed was not a cooling board, my blanket, a winding sheet. When you're facing traffic and the 18 wheelers coming on your side of the road, you might only have time to say Jesus. But it's genuine. It's an appeal. It's something that you say to God. Find your own voice of appeal. Listen to Psalm 56 3. When I am afraid. That's how he says it. When I am afraid. I meet Christians who say it's wrong to have fear. I say it's wrong for you to be a Christian And I have some other things I'd like to say to you, but Jesus said I can't say them right now. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I love the first song, that we. the first song, it wasn't the first song, but the Lord is my shepherd. It's a great song, it's a great song. But the idea is that that song isn't designed to tell you you, you're not allowed to be afraid. That song and the Psalm where it came from is an indicator of what it is that God wants me to know when I am in seasons of fear and things aren't going to turn out like I think they ought to turn out. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Find your voice of trust. Find out what you say to God when it's time to trust him. Find out what you say when it's time to I love the word, the acronym for fear, false expectation appearing real. There are a lot of things that I've been afraid of that never materialized. There are a lot of things that I've been afraid of that did materialize. But in every sense, there was a need for me to trust him, to say, God, I trust you. I believe you. I know you're up to something good in my life. And even if I can't see it, I know you're working. And that's where the confidence comes, where you begin to see that I'm trusting you, God. I'm believing you. One of my dear, dear friends and daughters in Jesus sings a beautiful song that's raising the question, do I trust you, Lord? Do I trust you? And every now and then you've got to ask that question. Do I trust you, Lord? Ask the question. I trust you in times of fear. What I've discovered, Pastor, is that when I read the Psalms, I get the feeling that most of the psalmists are paranoid. I mean, they're, they're always going through stuff. They're always, I mean, everybody's after them all the time. They're like that guy, um, I, I teach Clarence, he couldn't be with us today. He's in the hospital dealing with an issue with his heart. But if you get, it, I say Clarence won't even go to a football game because when they get in a huddle, he thinks they're talking about him. And this idea of of trust, this idea of believing that God is up to something good. God, I know you're up to something good, but I wish you would let me in on it. And why is it that if I can find my voice of appeal in times of fear, if I can find my voice of trust rather in times of fear, then he leads me to something else. And it goes like this in God whose word I praise, verse four, in God whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. When I am afraid, I'll put my trust in you. And then when I begin to praise you, I shall not be afraid. And I ask the question, what can mere man do to me? The Bible uses the term, sacrifices of praise. Praise. Sacrifices of thanksgiving. Sacrifices of joy. What are those? Those are times when you praise God and it costs you to do it. When David was being offered the opportunity to receive a gift of land and animals and and oxen to offer a sacrifice to God, David said, I want to know the real price. God forbid that I should offer him something that cost me nothing. Don't just give God a wave or a clap and say that was my praise. When you praise God, what you discover is that he was already worshiping. The writer of Hebrews says it like this, 2.12 In the midst and this is Jesus talking in the midst of the congregation I will sing praise to you that we're actually here and as we were singing and as we were worshiping what we weren't realizing maybe is that Jesus was here with us joining us in actuality leading the worship he's the worship leader Where's that can, that amen can you brought me, man, just, yeah. I have one at home, and when people don't respond like they ought to, I just point to the can. There's an amen here someplace. They're not canned amens because I've got to get them out of the people. Thanksgiving, praise, worship. My friend, another one of my pastors He's a music major, among other things. And he said they were working on a particularly hard measure in a song in which the baritone guys could not get the particular sound in their group that they needed to have. And as often as they would come to it, they couldn't get to it. And so he said he brought over to their group and stood him between all of the baritones this guy who was a Pure basso profundo and he says when you get to that part in the song listen to him as he hits the note and they were there and suddenly as they got to that place he sang the song, he sang the note and as he sang the note all of the baritones found his voice they called it sympathetic resonance you heard it and you were able to say it God wants to give us something in terms of the ability to find your voice. And more often than not, you'll find your voice when you find his voice. It's in finding his voice in praise, finding his voice in worship, finding his voice when you are sacrificing so many different things. And you're saying to God, God, I need you. I need you to do something for me. And it's praising him, even though you can't see the outcome. You need to know that I'm praising because even though I can't see it, he's working. The grandmother asked her daughter, granddaughter, she said, where's your daddy? She says, I don't know. My daddy's working. She says, when will we be back? She says, I don't know, grandma. My daddy's working. She asked this kid about six or seven questions, all with the same answer. I don't know, grandma. My daddy's working. She said, all right, tell him I was here. She was a pastor. She says, I was walking to my car and I put my hand on the doorknob and she says, and, and God spoke to me. He says, he said, did you notice? She didn't know where he was. Didn't know when he would get back. Didn't know what he was doing. Didn't know why he had left. All she knew was that he was working. When I'm worshiping, I'm not worshiping from the standpoint of God's not doing anything. I'm worshiping from this point of view that my God is up to something. And if I let him hear my voice of thanksgiving, I don't know what you're doing, God. Don't know where it's going to, don't know how it's going to turn out. But I want you to know I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to tell you how good you are. I'm going to find my voice of joy. And I'm going to act like I've got joy even if I don't have it. My aunt was trying to referee a battle going be- between her son and me. And, and so um, she says, you guys need to make up. And I said, I don't want to make up. And she says, go ahead and make up. She said, put your arms around him and just hug him and tell him you love him. I said, I don't want to do that. And so she went over to the corner. She got this long piece of wood. And she says, you either make up or I'm going to. And while I didn't feel like doing it, I made up my mind that I could and I got to that place where I said I love you Herman I do why? because I don't want a weapon I want you to know that sometimes finding your voice of thanksgiving finding your voice of praise is the place that brings you into another place where he says I'm going to praise you. Look at the text. It says and I love the way it says it here. It says it a lot better than I'm fumbling with it. He says, in God in whose word I praise, I put my trust. Prior to that, he says, I will put my trust. Now he's saying, I have put my trust. When you have put your trust in him, you don't worry about things that have nothing to do with your journey. Find his voice. Have you been in a worship service and you heard a brand new song? And it was like being in the restaurant remember years ago you go to the restaurant and they had these little jukebox things sitting on the counter and then you'd be looking at different ones and you get ready to play your song and just before you did it started to play and you turned to somebody and said they're playing my song what makes it your song because it's telling a story this is my story this is My song, praising my Savior all the day long. Joseph, how are you going to get through this? I'm going to get through this by finding my voice. I'm going to get through this by finding my voice. And look at this last one, please. Psalm 56, verse 9. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. My enemies will turn back in the day when I call. There are so many instances of this in the scriptures. One of them primarily is in 2 Chronicles 18.31. It's so when the captains and the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it's the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him. They weren't really looking for Jehoshaphat. They were looking for Ahab. But Ahab has set Jehoshaphat up. And now Jehoshaphat is out there all alone, all dressed up as the king while the other guys disguised And when they come against him, he cries out and the Lord helped him and God diverted him. I don't think we realize how important it is to call on the name of the Lord. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're sinking, you're going under and you realize you're going under and you're trying to figure out what am I going to do about it? You can say, help, can somebody help me? Won't somebody help me? Or you can say, help! Now, in the church, we're encouraged to be quiet. And I don't know why, there are only three verses that give you that kind of encouragement. One is in 1 Thessalonians where he says, learn to be quiet. The other is in the book of Habakkuk that says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth remain silent. And then the worship leader can't figure out why y'all won't sing. And then the last one is in the book of Revelation where it says, and there was silence in heaven for 30 minutes and then after that it's all gone this is a loud book serving God is a loud experience serving God is something that requires you to offer sacrifices that require you to shout that require you to celebrate it requires you to do something for God that you would only do for the stealers but it's to cheer him on because at the end of the day, most of the stealers are not going to be stealing anything. But this God that you and I serve, he is going to step alongside you and walk up to you and say, Did you call me? Did I hear you? Yes. It seemed to me that you were yelling. Were you yelling? Yes. I thought you were a conservative Christian. I am when I'm not in trouble. But a lion was facing me and I needed help right away. Stand with me, please. And let me tell you about Ruthie. What's the name of the park over here? That amusement park that we all go to? Kennywood. Ruthie was lost. She's a three-year-old girl. and She's lost in Kennywood. She's separated from her brothers and sisters and her mother. And so when they find her, She's screaming at the top of her lungs, Miriam! Miriam! And finally, Miriam hears her. And she comes to her because you can hear kids from miles away. Their little voices. And she came up to her and she said, Here I am, honey. Why are you calling me Miriam? She said, because there are too many mommies out here. When you want god and you want his attention you need to get specific and you need to get loud you need to find your voice and not worry about how people are going to feel about it we're living in a world right now that's making changes so fast that we have no idea what it's going to look like tomorrow but i love the lord because he heard my voice and heard my cry for mercy So wherever you are in your journey, wherever you are in terms of what you think is happening in the world today, just lift your voice and just say, God, here I am to worship. I want to hear you. I want to see you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Believe that God is waiting to hear you. And when he hears your unique sound, he'll respond to your unique need. Would you bow your heads? Father I thank you for Jesus who just a few days before his passion and his suffering he stood in the temple and he lifted up his voice and he declared if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink And out of his innermost being will come rivers of living water Jesus lifted up his voice to meet needs I pray God that in this season that we too will lift up our voice to you and like children who are desperately in need we will cry out to you and we'll say to you I need you I need you and if we don't think you heard it on the first time we'll say it a little louder and we'll say it until we get the kind of attention that we need to have even if it's just to say I'm here but we're still gonna go through it and so whatever you're going through right now just keep calling him just keep speaking to him just keep inviting him in and even if he doesn't deliver you from the thing you want to be delivered find your voice in one of these stories, one of these narratives and as you're reading
0: be sure to watch the corners